going to talk about something I've been wanting to talk about for the last few weeks. And I've uh, had it on my mind and it's been a part of my life for, oh, I guess at least the last eight weeks. And, <laughs> and uh, so today I thought uh, I'll talk about it. The day after my birthday was eventful. My wife of 43 years, and I'm going to refer to her here as my wife uh, I, because this gets recorded and goes out to the world, and um, tripped on an obstacle in her garden. She fell hard and with no chance to break her fall. At first, we thought she was just very sore, but it soon became apparent that she needed medical attention. Later, x-rays showed that she had broken both upper arms just below the shoulder. And it's very difficult to be denied the use of both of your arms. And her dominant arm sustained the worst break. She was left completely dependent on me for everything. Thus began Father's eight-week training seminar. In 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7, we find this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a lively hope, a living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead gives us hope. He he has given us birth uh, into this lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that doesn't fade away, reserved in heaven for each and every one of you. You who are kept. Remember that word when Jim taught us about kept? Keep them. You are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Just a note here. This is not God tempting us to sin. This is a trial of our faith, a testing, if you will, that is designed to show us places where we might be depending on our own strength and could instead depend more completely on him. And verse 7 actually says this, that the trial of your faith, being of being much more precious than that of gold that perishes though it's tried by fire. You get that? Your faith is more precious than gold. May be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is one of the ways the Father causes us to grow. These trials. None of us escape affliction or calamity Jesus was clear when he said in John 16:33 these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace the in the world you will have tribulation 
But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see that? He was teaching the disciples so they'd have peace. But he said, and in in him they have peace, but in the world they're going to find tribulation. And that's true of each and every one of us believers. We are not exempt from living in a fallen world. We are not exempt from walking in the valley of the shadow of death. Living by faith, trusting in and depending on God is the key to living a victorious life in this world. In 1 John 5, 3-5, we read this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous or burdensome. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is He that overcomes the world, but He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? At first, it was easy to help my wife. I knew she was helpless, and I felt great compassion for her pain, discomfort, and disability. As time wore on, the novelty wore off, however. You remember back when this used to be the novel coronavirus? The novelty has worn off. (laughs) I wanted to keep a pleasant demeanor. I wanted her to feel that I did not consider her a burden. Nevertheless, I began to tire. I found that I began to struggle with these goals. Scripture began coming to mind. Papa's like that, isn't he? One passage was Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. That's really important. I wasn't rejoicing. Truth of the matter was that I felt burdened by this situation and I didn't want to see it that way. When I was, after I had left home and was married, my mother uh, got Alzheimer's quite bad. And uh, my dad kept her there at the house until she died. And he always said that it was his privilege to take care of her. And I'm telling you, it was not easy. I met a man in Florida last year who was in the same situation with his wife. And he said the same thing to me. And those things kept ringing in my head, you know. The, and, that was, and, and it's not a bad thing to feel that way. And I want to feel that way. But the enemy uses those things. And he says, you don't feel like those men, do you? I didn't want to see it this way I didn't want to be burdened by the situation I was beginning to see however that this was going to be a training event as much as an opportunity to show my love for my wife father's eight week seminar had begun in earnest it began this way as I worked around the house doing all the daily chores Caring for each need, I began to feel exhausted. My thoughts became grumbly. I began to wrestle with not being able to do the things that I wanted to do. 
I became focused on my inability to get into my office to study or to write new material for the online ministry. Every time I began to succumb to the negativity resulting from this erroneous thinking, a thought began to recur in my mind, give yourself up for her. Ephesians 5.25 came to mind, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It rang in my head hour after hour, day after day. Give yourself up for her. This thought motivated me, it brought me peace. It sustained me. I found that it was the true desire of my heart. My feelings didn't always align with it, but in the depth of my spirit, it was my deep desire. This certainly made it easier to serve my wife. Even so, I could not deny that I honestly felt the loss of doing things that brought me pleasure. Now another thought began to echo in my mind. Be content, whatever the circumstances. Give yourself up, period. I'd been thinking a lot in recent days about the idea that we're called to give up our rights. I heard somebody teach on this a while back, or read them, I guess, more likely. We're called to give up our rights, Not that we have no rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, things like that. But often I notice that I feel entitled to certain things. Fair treatment, ease, comfort, or any number of other things. When we don't get these things, whatever they may be for us, we often get offended or angry. But we do not have a spirit of offense and anger. We have a spirit that is united with the spirit of our Heavenly Father. The fruit of that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We have been given a spirit of soundness of mind, according to 2 Timothy 1.7. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave, himself up, gave his life up for me. And this is as true for me as it is for Paul. In Philippians 2.5-8, he urged us to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he was God but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Give yourself up, period. In this, it's this sort of giving up our rights that I'm talking about here. Jesus did not consider himself entitled to all the prerogatives due him because he's God. 
Likewise, I don't need to live with the bondage of expectation and entitlement. I am free to rely completely upon Jesus to meet my needs. Whatever needs I expected to be met by Bible study, writing, and ministry were never truly going to be met by those activities. They were met only by the source, Father God. Be content no matter the circumstances. I remembered Paul's words to the church in Philippi in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, where he wrote, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I found that when my wife was sleeping, I was free to do as I wished. The problem I faced was that when I had the mental alertness to study and write, I did not have the time. And when I had the time, I did not have the needed mental alertness. I was tired. I began to realize that the idea that the ministry is the Lord's and not mine had to be more than just fine sounding words. You know, we want to do that, don't we? Oh, it's his. You know, I, whether any more people ever come to this church or not, it's his. We all say that. Sounds real spiritual. It's got to actually mean something. And it isn't easy sometimes. Bible study and writing is rewarding. But it is not the goal or purpose of life. I was still looking at these activities to provide for me something only Father could give. When it became obvious that there was nothing I could do, it became obvious that there had never been anything I could do. <laughs> nothing I could do in my power was going to have the least, e least effect either way. If Father wanted me to have the time and mental ability to focus on ministry, study, and writing, I'd have it. Or not. If I needed validation or camaraderie or fulfillment, I wasn't going to get any of them from any source other than the Spirit of God. Another lesson. Relax and have faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, we're told in Proverbs 3. Trust comes by more intimate knowledge of the Lord. When we grow to trust Him, we realize that dependence on Him is all there is. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Trust gives legs to faith. If you think about it, trust is earned. In our human relationships, God doesn't need to earn anything. But in our human relationships, trust is earned. It's earned because we have to know a person pretty well before we're going to trust them. The better we know them, the more we're likely to trust them. 
The same thing is true with us and God in that the better we know him, the more intimately we know him as a person, the more we're going to trust him. And that's why I say trust gives legs to faith. Because we might have faith in him well enough, knowing that he is who he is, and he's going to do what he said he's going to do, and he has done what he said he did. We might have that faith and believe that with all our heart. But we still may not trust God. That was me for a lot of years. I couldn't pray, thy will be done. Because I was too afraid about what that might mean. I didn't trust him. Here's some other areas where Father was at work. Appreciation of and compassion for others. I found that I am not a natural caregiver. I'm awkward at it, and I find it difficult in the extreme. This gave me a new appreciation and compassion for those who care for loved ones, especially those who do so for years on end. It also made me appreciate that Father has made some people who are natural nurses and health aides. People who are naturally inclined to this have my deep respect and appreciation. Another area where Father worked, plans that changed. (laughs) Somebody once said, we plan God laughs. So I don't know if he laughs, but our plans don't amount to a hill of beans. (laughs) They're ideas in our head, and that's about it. (laughs) We may or may not see them happen. I was reminded through all of this to hold plans and possessions in an open hand. Fulfillment does not come from the things we have or from accomplishing our plans. Fulfillment comes from the only source of all things. We had fun plans that we could no longer accomplish. We had even prepaid for tickets. And we thought, well, we'll just have to lose the money. As we looked into it, we found that while the tickets we purchased could not be refunded, they could be transferred. This enabled us to bless friends who we love. They had been helping us in very touching ways and blessing us in ways that made a difference in the most difficult early days. To be able to bless them with a treat cheered us up. Our plans for traveling down to our home in Florida for the winter also had to be postponed. Uncharacteristically for us, we had also bought tickets for an event taking place during the travel. On the very day that we began talking about what we should do about these tickets, The event itself was rescheduled by the organizers to a date that will work for us. We had to do nothing. You know, Father thinks he's clever. And I agree with him. (laughs) I love it when he does stuff like that because you just have to laugh. You just have to go, yeah, it's totally not up to us. Because I was unable to get my wife up after her fall, we called 911. One of our neighbors heard the call on her scanner and came over. She stayed with us for over an hour and a half, we live in a very rural place, until help came. 
and until my wife was up and we were on our way into the house. It's okay to receive blessing. In the earliest and hardest days when it was needed most, food arrived with startling regularity. Not just a small meal for the two of us, enough to feed all three of us twice or three times. Neighbors we don't even know well brought food. We didn't ask for it, and there was nothing we could do about it. Our job was to rest and be blessed. It was impossible for us to change my wife's shirt. She simply could not move her upper right arm at all. Because of this, for the first couple of weeks, she wore the shirt she had on when she fell, which had been partly cut off by the EMTs. One of our friends from another state took it upon herself to design and tailor a special shirt that my wife could wear. She packaged it up and mailed it to us. It was expertly made and it worked perfectly. It was such a blessing. Other friends and neighbors stopped by to just sit and talk for a while. Still others sent cards or telephoned. These interactions helped us divert our thoughts from pain and care and the respite was refreshing. Times like these reinforce and bolster faith. Watching Father work in all of this increased my trust in Him. It has been made abundantly obvious that He is faithful. He did not take us out of our circumstance. He didn't make my wife's arms heal instantly. Oh, how I wish he had done that. To see her in pain and suffering is hard. But he blessed us in many ways. He is the God of relationships. And he caused our relationships with him, with each other, and with our friends to deepen. He is the God of faithfulness. And he showed himself abundantly faithful to supply our needs out of the abundance of his riches. I've spent a lot of time here talking about being trained. But I don't want you to leave with the wrong impression. All of this has by no means perfected my attitudes and behaviors. I have certainly grown through all of this. But I still forget and I still fail. I'm saying that because some of you may look back at your own lives and see places where God was training you and go, man, I'm such an idiot. I, you know, He did all this wonderful stuff for me and I'm just right back where I was or I'm almost as bad as I was or I still keep failing in this same area. You're not alone and you're not unusual. Thankfully, that does not change Father's acceptance of me or you, and it does not change his relationship with us. It does nothing to impact who we are. We remain his holy, blameless children, above reproach and greatly loved. Each time 
father starts up a new one of these training seminars, I'm always amazed. I don't want them. I hope I never have another one. And yet, I wouldn't trade them for the world. Because on the other side is something so much better than what you have now (laughs) that it's worth whatever you have to go through to get there. He is gracious. He is loving. He is faithful. And he teaches everyone. And he does it in terms you can understand. Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness and your graciousness and your love. We thank you that you don't just leave us as orphans, but that you discipline us and train us. And we thank you that we do it in ways that are not degrading to us, that are not humiliating to us. You do it in ways that accomplish the goal in a way that fits us perfectly right down to our shoes. We thank you, Father, that you care enough to cause us to grow, to cause us to bear much fruit, to allow us to participate in what you're doing. We're so thankful that we get to do that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.